Hi, this is Michael Armstrong, and I'm going to be chatting with Rick Flynn all about my career and my new album, Ojai, spelt O-J-A-I, and you can get it at all the usual places, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, or check out my website, which is www.michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. And now, let's get on with the show. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. And now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome in. What a wonderful show today, as always, with our special guest who has a downright fascinating story to tell. I've been looking forward to speaking to this gentleman in the United Kingdom, and he's here right now. I am in the Midwest USA. He is in the United Kingdom in England. Michael Armstrong, you have a tremendous tale to tell. Come on in here and say hello, my friend. Hi, Rick. It's great to join you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's an absolute joy. And, you know, here in America, I don't know uh, what they're doing over in UK, but we have a saying over here. It says, if at first you don't succeed... And then there's a second half to that. It says, try, try again. Have you heard of such a saying? Yes, I have heard that saying over here. And uh, I know why you're, why you're bringing that up, because it, uh, it relates uh, very closely to my own story. Boy, isn't that the truth. Let me inform the public worldwide that's listening that may not already know. You have been deemed an overnight sensation (laughs) after, well, there was a small amount of time. It was only after 35 years of trying. Yes, that that's quite right. Yes, I've um, I finally had um, some some good success with my latest album, and uh, yeah, because some people, some parts of the world, and some parts of this country haven't heard of me on my music before. That I, there have been uh, certain people saying that I'm an overnight sensation or overnight success, which is I'm 47 years old, and I've been writing and releasing music since I was about 15. It's been a good 30 30 odd years of of trying, so certainly not overnight. But uh, you know, it's here. It is at last, so uh, I don't mind what people say. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be here, finally. Oh, I think it's marvelous because you have an album out. That album is called Ojai, and it's pronounced Ojai. And by the way, I'm sure you probably know this. I'm speaking to you right now from the state of Ohio, O-H-I-O, but what you yes, Ojai is a city which I knew nothing about until I had your album, and that is actually a city in California, correct? 
That is correct, and it's wonderful to hear someone pronounce it correctly because here in the UK, people have really struggled with it. It's been called, because of the way we speak over here and we're not used to it, it's OJ or UJ or Ouija. I think someone even called it on a radio station. So, um, you know, if I had a, I think if I had a big major record label behind me, they'd have they'd have been furious for me releasing an album that, that no one can actually pronounce. I'm glad to say you got it right, and it's also become quite a talking point over here, so it's uh, it's worked out well. Absolutely. Now, I was just amazed that it was taking off for you little by little. You have an album, which is O-J-A-I. It's pronounced O-H-I. That is named after the city in California where you actually attended some type of, do I call it a retreat for songwriters? Do I call it a workshop? What was it that took you to California, to the city of Ojai. Well, I, I think you'd call it a retreat. I don't know if you know over there of an American singer-songwriter called Ben Fold. I've heard who, of uh, Ben. Yeah, he's played in Cincinnati, okay. but I got to be honest, the following that he has and the circles that he has kept are totally different than the ones I have, so I know very little about Ben, but I've heard of him. Right, okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a hugely successful singer, songwriter, performer, originally from his band Ben Folds Five in the 90s and since gone solo. And I've been a fan of his since the 90s. I've got those early albums and whenever he's released an album or wherever, whenever he's been to the UK, I've, I've tried my best to go and, and see him. I kind of follow him on social media and in 2018, early part of the year, an opportunity came up on his Facebook page or, or a, a presentation came up on his Facebook page saying that he was, he'd be work, doing a songwriting workshop in, in California, in Ojai. And uh, if anyone was interested in attending, they should submit their songs and they would see if, you know, you were any good at what you did and because there was only limited places. So I submitted a couple of songs and about a week later, I, I, I got accepted. They really liked the songs and said, yeah, you're, you're welcome to come along. So I thought, well, fantastic. I'd, I'd never been to California before. So I thought, well, that would be a wonderful chance to go. And obviously to meet Ben as well, I thought that would be great and, and to write some songs. So in, I think it was April, April 2018, I, I flew out to LA and I stayed there for a few days, did a bit of sightseeing. And then I hired a car and I drove up the Pacific Coast Highway up to Ojai, which is about an hour and a half drive north of LA. And the Ojai is just a beautiful town in the mountains. The whole trip and the whole experience was just idyllic. And uh, and Ben turned out to be a really, really lovely guy as well. And there was, I don't know, there was 10 or 12 people at this retreat, if you like. And uh, I called them kids, but they were probably in their 20s and 30s. But because they're younger than me, I, I called them kids. Ben and I were about the same age. And most of the kids there were from North America. I was the only Englishman. And we just spent, I think it was four days, writing songs, talking about music, eating fine food and drinking whiskey. It was wonderful. You were born in 73. Would that be right? That's correct. Yeah. Let's just subtract 20 from that and you'll kind of get <laughs> where I'm coming from. See, I'm, I'm oh, embarrassed to admit it. You're all children next to me. <laughs> yeah. And that includes you. But no, in, no. Re in reality, you, you're a married man of three children. I have three boys. Um, they're growing up now. One is 20, one is 18, and one is 15. So, uh, yeah, they're a handful, but they're, they're a good bunch of kids. So uh, I'm a lucky man. Other than the 15-year-old, 
Are any still living at home? They're all still living at home. <laughs> oh, no! No! Oh, I thought you were about ready to become an empty nester. <laughs> Not yet. Hope <laughs> One day soon, I hope. <laughs> right. Uh, do I... Can I look through the lines here over to the UK, and did I see your fingers crossed there? <laughs> I think I did. I think I did. But ladies and gentlemen, yes, Michael Armstrong released an album, Ojai, it's spelled O-J-A-I, after that town where he had a retreat along with pop vocalist, songwriter, singer Ben Folds. They had their workshop out there in O-J-A-I, California. Eventually, you released an album which you chose to call Oh Hi. From that album, there was a single, which was the only single on that record, the only one where you actually had a co-writer. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. I, I called the album Oh Hi because many of the songs on the album were actually written during those four or five days that I, I spent in, in Ojai on this songwriting retreat. And, and also, it was a really such a great experience that I, I kind of reflected on it and wrote about it when I returned to the UK, and those songs were included on the album as well. So it seemed like a perfect title for the album. One of the other guys attending the retreat in Ojai was a guy from New York called Sam Stringfield. And Ben Folds would speak to us every day and set an exercise for to try and take us out of our comfort zone as songwriters and one of the things he did one morning was he suggested that we try and write an out and out simple as possible love song nothing sneaky nothing clever just like an old kind of 50s if you like 1940s or 1950s love song from the heart but he only wanted us to write the lyric so write a poem effectively to our to your loved one and uh, so we all set about writing a set of lyrics and once we finished we put all the lyrics in a bag and, and we chose out each other's lyric and I chose Sam's lyrics and an American girl chose out the lyrics that I'd written we were then told to go and write music to these lyrics write a song so a, a co-write but quite a very separate co-write and Sam's lyrics were just fantastic to be honest the, the song really came about in about an hour I wrote the music very very quickly because I had all the lyrics there and started playing something on the piano and, and the song was born and then we went for lunch and then we all performed formed the songs in, in, in the main hall there. There was a beautiful grand piano and guitars and microphones and things and we'd all go and perform the songs that we'd written. So it was, it was quite intense and but a lovely bunch of people. And So yeah, that was the song that was the co-write. That's the only co-write on the album. It's the, it's the song which opens the album and it's called Each Other's Eyes. Now, the public is wondering what took you 35 years. Now go ahead, because I know you're very proud of what you've accomplished, and so am I, by the way, because you have every right to be. But why did the press blow up? Why did everybody start looking your way? Recently, just a few weeks ago, when something happened, what happened? Well, I mean, yeah, I... First of all, why has it taken me 35 years? Well, I've, you know, I've, life got in the way for, for, for about 20 years of that, even though I'd always wanted to do music. And so really, I only got back to my first love of music about 10 years ago and, and, and only released my debut album in 2015. So I was 41 then, so very much a latecomer. And this is my third album. And, and ever since that, 
first album and, and all my music, people have always said to me, there's something American about my music. They think that it would work well in America, which is easier said than done when I'm over here in the UK and America is such a huge place and the music business is so difficult at the best of times. And so what I thought I would do, this is back in 2015, I thought I'd make a, a list of, of, of radio stations in America that I could send my music to. And so I thought I could do this over a weekend and I sat down at my computer and I had listed your states of America in alphabetical order. So I started with Alabama, I think comes first. And I looked up all the all the radio stations in Alabama and tried to get some emails for them. And then I worked my way through each state. It ended up taking me about six months. I didn't realize how big America or what America was. Oh, I did Little England. Mm-hmm. And wow, that's, that's one huge country. So it just took me forever making these emails. And I ended up with hundreds of thousands of emails. And so whenever I've released a single since 2015 or an album, I've sent it out to to all these email lists. Most of the time I get completely ignored. No one comes back to me. Occasionally I have had like, I think I had a radio station in Hawaii come back and say they liked a song and they were playing it and and somewhere in a different state. And and so I just thought, well, I I took all the time to make the list. Even if no one responds, I might as well send it out in case I get lucky. And here I am six years, six, seven years after making that list and, and I sent out the latest album and the single that we've just spoke about, Each Other's Eyes. I had an email back from a from a DJ in New York who said he really loved the track and uh, he was going to give it some plays. And I thought, well, that's wonderful. And, and he said he'd pass it on to a few people. And he, he messaged me back a couple of weeks later saying it was going well and people were enjoying the song. And so I was, I was really proud. And, and then as a result of that, a promoter in America contacted me and said he'd heard the track being played on quite a few radio stations and did I know that it had to be registered with such and such a body or whatever to, to, to be eligible for chart and be played on certain stations and I obviously I didn't know any of that how it worked in America and so he helped me through that process and, and, and put that all together and uh, about six or seven weeks ago it must have been now I, I got an email one woke up to an email one Wednesday morning and and he'd sent me like the the, the music charts the new music weekly published charts that come out every week and uh, the song each other's eyes was sitting at I think number 35 in the in the indie music singles chart and i was like wow this is this is incredible I, you know what an amazing what a result i was so happy i said to my wife shall we open the champagne and um we was and it was just wonderful and the, the music charts in america are uh, are announced officially on a friday but the artist or the artist's representative gets informed i think on a tuesday evening which in the uk means i find about it find out about it in, in, on a wednesday morning and so i kept receiving these updates every wednesday and, and and the track went from number 35 up into the top 20 and then the following week into the top 10 and then into the top five and then into the top two and i i thought surely this this can't happen and three weeks ago four weeks ago now sorry on a wednesday morning i woke up and it the track had gone to number one on the indie music singles chart and i think number 15 on the on the top 40 chart i had a message this morning saying it's still there four weeks later it's it's stays at number one on the indie music singles chart it's pretty surreal because i'm all the way over here but i've got some very proud family and friends and i'm and i'm very proud as well so yeah it's been quite a journey absolutely now what did your wife say when you wanted to break open some champagne when it was at number two or number five she had a response to you what did your wife say 
Well, when I first when I first went into the indie indie music charts, that first time I think at number thirty five, and I said to her, "We sh- we should crack up." We had a really expensive bottle of champagne which someone had bought for me uh, at Christmas. We just thought we'd save it for a special occasion, and so I said to her when it was when it had entered the music charts, "Shall we shall we open the champagne, put the champagne on ice?" And having been married to a musician and facing the the ups and downs of my career <laughs> over all these years, she kind of doesn't take these things too seriously, and she said, I, "I tell you what, darling, why don't we wait till it gets to number one?" And so when I got the news that it had gone to number one on the Wednesday morning four weeks ago, my wife, had, my wife's a care worker, so she got up at an early shift, so she was at work very early, and I woke up and I saw that it had gone to number one, so I just sent her a text message that said, I, I put the champagne in the fridge, and she replied, are you serious? I said, yep, we're number one. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> You're going to have to excuse my ignorance because I don't know what a care worker is unless you're referring to the health profession. Would that be it? That's correct. She works. She works as a carer in an, in an, in an old pe- an old folks' home, if you like. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would assume. But a lot of your terminology in the UK is different than ours over here, and that's why I ask. Okay. You have a thing there that we don't have over here. It's called the loo. The loo. I had no idea yeah, what the loo. loo. What the loo. I used yeah. to listen to the BBC back years ago. I would listen to a, a gal that was the daughter. And by the way, I loved listening to her too. Uh, bless her heart. She, I believe, was the daughter of one of our British invasion, Jerry and the Pacemakers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her name was Vicky Marsden. And okay. Vicky was a DJ on Radio One. And okay. okay. I used to listen to her. And then I would listen to Sarah Cox in the morning, who did the morning drive. And I'll tell you what, I you're going to have to excuse me, Michael, but I had to really think, even though we were both technically speaking English, I I learned a lot. I she had a rapper on there one day and I have no idea who this guy was. Then she starts Sarah Cox starts asking him a bunch of questions to begin the interview and he said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold hold on. If you will, will you kind of slow that down? Use terms that I know what in the world you're talking about." And I said, "Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir, for saying that cuz I had no idea when that woman, Sarah Cox, got to speaking fast, I'm telling you, Michael, I could not keep up. I had no idea what the woman was talking about. None. And I thought I spoke English. I thought I was an announcer, you know? Oh, that's very funny. If it were not for the BBC, I would not know what the loo is. I thought I knew everything terminology that referred to a bathroom. No, no, it was the BBC that taught me that British term, the loo. I had no idea that that meant the bathroom. And then the garage. I had no idea in the world what the garage was, and I have one in my own home. 
as you said, garage. Garage. There we go. In America, that would be the garage. In your country, the garage. And vitamin. What is it? Rod Stewart. Hot legs. I'm going to need a shot of vitamin E. And we don't have the vitamin. (laughs) No, you know what we have in America, don't you? Vitamin, don't you? I'm going to need a shot of vitamin E. (laughs) We don't use vitamin. So, you see, you have to. I I notice it as well. You notice it when you're watching sports because we have the defense and the offense, but yours is defense and offense. Exactly. uh, Exactly. Uh, And your football, your (laughs) football, I guess all of Europe's football, not just UK. Your football and our football are two completely different sports. Well, your your football's crazy because they don't use their feet, really. What's all that about? (laughs) Well, now they'll, they'll, they'll use it when they punt. Yeah, but most well, of the time they're holding it. Yeah, right. Handled, that <laughs> holding it and trying to beat the you know what out of whoever has <laughs> whoever has the ball. Oh, it's crazy. It is crazy. I'm telling you, I've had professional football players in this country on my show, and I look over at them in the studio years ago on terrestrial radio, and when the Cincinnati Bengals or whomever they were, these players would come on i'm just i'm amazed that they were able to to look as good as they did and not have black and blue and and scrapes and cuts all over them you know it's it's a barbaric sport i'm telling you it's it's nothing i would want to participate in no, I'm exactly the same. I, I love to watch sport, but uh, I don't want to be cold and wet, and I certainly don't want big people trying to hurt me. That's a lot. I'm far too much of a coward. Absolutely. Michael Armstrong, the album is called Ohi. It is spelled O-J-A-I, pronounced Ohi. Number one on the New Music Weekly Indie Music Singles Chart, number one, which is phenomenal because you were ahead of some high rollers with high dollars behind them. For example, Ed Sheeran. For example, Sir Elton John. For example, uh, whoever else there you were competing with, with what we would call in this country an unlimited budget where money is really not the object. There are, unfortunately, it has gotten to the point where in in the music industry, you're going to have to agree with me, I believe, Mike, and that is that oftentimes they, they write the check for the promotion. And when you pay A, B, or C amounts, that increases the promotion you get. Therefore, it increases the chance of success of the song. Now, Don't ask me how I grew up, because when I grew up, they had a big federal here in the United States investigation into what they called payola. And payola was a scandal they discovered years ago where people were paying money to get the songs on the radio and promote it. Today, (laughs) excuse me, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, Michael, but today they are paying money to get the song promoted to put on the radio. I don't know what the difference is. Have you figured out the difference? Because I cannot. 
No, I, I, to be honest, it certainly having had my discussions with a, with a promoter in America and other people, it certainly seems that um, the more you pay, the, uh, the, 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 the more success you can get. Having said that, I haven't paid a penny because um, I didn't have the budget to do oh, it. Oh, I applaud so, uh, you. I applaud but, you, number one. I applaud you for that, for not paying a penny to do it. And that is another reason you're to be admired, because while everyone else is paying out these phenomenal uh, charges to get their uh, music promoted, you basically came to your senses and said, I cannot afford this. If I would pay out this kind of money, I, what you would have no more home. You would have no more, no more food in the, in the, in the kitchen to eat. You'd have no more car. It would cost you everything you had. Yeah, it really would. You, you are talking about those sorts of sums. Yeah. They're, 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 that, uh, that an individual really, unless you're a very rich individual, um, just, just can't realistically afford. So it was never an option for me to even consider, but, um, yeah, I guess that I, I hadn't thought about it like that, but I guess that makes the achievement even more, even more special. Because uh, I mean, it, it's nice because I also think that what's really lovely about it is that if you've got if the song is good enough and people like it and people respond to it, then the DJs will keep playing it even if there isn't money involved. And, and that's what's happened with my song. Um, it hasn't. It's not it's not so easy over over here in the UK. Oddly enough, even though the, there isn't really a not a payola or a or, or a or a pay to get played system over here it, there is only a very limited number of national radio stations because we're such a small country and the playlist and the rotation of songs on those is very limited to the major labels and to some of the artists that you mentioned ed sheeran elton john adele and the like so it's difficult to break through so to, yeah but to, to, have, to have done it to have done it over there without without any sort of budget is uh, yeah it's a real buzz. Now isn't radio in your country, Michael, controlled slash owned by the government? Um. Well. Let me ask not, it a different way. Is there such thing in your country as radio that plays music which is not owned by the government? There, there are independent stations over here, but the but the main uh, and and they're growing with, with with the advent of digital radio. Um, they're they're growing those sort of stations, these independent stations. But the BBC is ultimately controlled by or has to answer to to the government. Um, but uh, they don't really. I don't think they really get involved too much. I think it's all about. It's all about, as, as everything is these days, it's about listening figures or audience figures or viewing figures. And, and everyone's trying to capture the younger audience where, in, in truth, the, the younger audience and the youth of today don't pay for their music. They don't need to listen to the radio. They had their playlists. They had Spotify and the like. And so... Um, they're probably doing the wrong thing. You're probably the radio stations. I think, in my opinion, should be catering for the older listener because those are the ones that are more likely to purchase music. They have disposable income, and uh, they're more likely to have to, to, to be listening to the radio or watching the TV, whereas the kids are watching Netflix or or, or listening on their, on their on Spotify and the like. Right now, here in this country, years ago, radio was about the community. If you had a group with a single, and I'm talking about a local band, they would produce a single on a 45 RPM record. That single would be called whatever they call it. 
And then this local band would start to make noise in their community. People would start showing up. They'd start selling out halls. They'd start selling out theaters. They started with a big following. And by the time the radio stations heard about it, they were delighted to say, bring that record in. We're going to be happy to play it. And by the way, when when you're in here, we want you to sit in with DJ so-and-so and we'll interview you. We'll let everybody know. Today, Michael, bring that 45 in to your local radio station. And they're going to show you the door and say, listen, uh, this station, you're going to have to send that to L.A. It's L.A. that programs this station along with 99 other stations or more. And if they approve it, maybe we can play it for you. This is what's going on. The community is basically not there the way it used to be. And isn't that such a terrible shame? Because it takes it takes the personalities off the radio as well. You can't, you know, some one of the reasons we listened to radio in the old days, in the older days. I sound like an old man now, but but was the personalities on the radio, and you liked the music. They played the music they wanted to play that they liked, and they'd introduce you to artists. And it was so much different then. And and it and you know, I think you know, but with with the game show, with the TV shows as well. If you if you X Factor, I think you have it over there, American Idol and the like. These people are kind of getting popped through the meal. Some of them survive it, but they, you know, it's, it's, it's from one show to the next, different artists to the next. I think I read something from, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan, and I think I read something that Tom Petty said before he died, that uh, if you told his generation that they'd be choosing their pop stars on the TV, they'd have laughed in your face. And I think that kind of says it all. Yeah, exactly. I was privileged to be a guest of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, along with my... Oh. Uh, with my significant other, uh, and she and I attended their concert as the guest of the group, and it was a phenomenal experience. And I always had the admiration, if you will, for Tom Petty, who would always say, listen, I'm working very hard to keep these prices down for the public at my concerts. And you're charging the people twenty, thirty, what forty dollars to park a car, and I don't think that's right. I don't think it's fair. And you know what? He's a hundred percent right. I couldn't agree with him more. They gouge, gouge, and gouge some more. Yeah, it's it's the same over here. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, that's testament. Uh, wonderful that you got to be a guest at the at the, at the concert. That's incredible and uh, testament to Tom. Tom Petty's legacy that, that he fought so hard for that and uh, stayed a man of the people, as they say. What a great talent. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm going to, now that we're on it, I just want to give credit to his drummer, Mr. Stephen Ferroni. It was Stephen who I've known for, I don't know, 40 years, 30 years. It's been a long time. Back when he was with one of your groups, a group I know you know of, called Average White Band. And he went from AWB with Alan Gorey, a Scottish band over there, and came over to this country after Robbie McIntosh, Average White Band's original drummer, passed. And Steve Ferrone went in there and took his place. 
And then it was after Average White Band that he went on to play with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. A remarkable drummer, a very good man. And anybody's so interested, we have the Steve Ferrone interview right up with all of the other soon-to-be 60 shows. But I want to remind the public, Michael, that in order to get your album, which is called Oh Hi, it's spelled O-J-A-I, that's the album that has, is it number one on the Indie Music, NMW Indie Music Singles Chart right now, or are we a week or two out of that? No, I, I got the news this morning that it, it remains on it from for next week as well. So uh, um, I'm I'm still 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 number one. Yeah. Okay, tell everybody where they can get it. I believe that what you would prefer would be to have people go to your website to obtain that album, and the website is michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. And that's another thing that is a little different for the American audience, I know, to get used to. Because even with the BBC, it's BBC Radio, whatever, dot co dot UK. That's a it's it's a British thing. Dot co means dot C Charles O Ocean dot co dot UK for the United Kingdom. So your website would be michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. And when they get there, how are they going to get the album? Explain that to someone. There's a shop on the, um, on, on the website, a shop link, and you can either purchase the album as a CD, although I don't think there's, I don't think you do that too much in America anymore, do you, from my experience? We're still, we're still quite CD heavy over here, but... Uh, not as much as it used to be. Well, let me and tell you real also, quick. They, sure. I just bought a brand new car, and guess what is not in the car? Not there. Yeah, I, I, I did the same thing. I bought a new car about two years ago, and, and no CD player. No so CD player, Michael. None. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead. Tell them where to get the uh, album thousands, on your website. Of CDs that I can't play. Yeah. Uh, no, so, yeah, you can go on the website, michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk, and you can order the album as a CD or as a, or as a digital download. And you can also do that on – you can get the CD from Amazon and the digital download from Amazon, and you can get it on iTunes as well and and all the usual places so it's pretty much available everywhere social media any social media for michael armstrong music yeah it's all michael armstrong music um michael armstrong music on the facebook and on the instagram and on the youtube so yeah just type in michael armstrong music and my face will pop up somewhere i'm sure well now how about promotion are you going to as soon as the doctors and the researchers, the college professors, and everybody working on this pandemic right now, as soon as they give you the green light, are you going to be able to go out and promote and uh, play some tours or play some shows to promote the uh, the uh, album? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I have, I've done one show here a few weeks ago, um, just a, a, a local local venue kind of to celebrate the end or the, the hopefully the end of the of the 
pandemic or the easing of the restrictions here in the UK at least. Um, so it was nice to get together with family and friends that hadn't seen for many, many months and also to celebrate the, the success of the album. So that was a wonderful, wonderful afternoon and evening. And yeah, I certainly, I, I'm not planning anything for the remainder of this year because I think we're still in a slightly precarious position um, with the with the with the, with the COVID and hopefully it doesn't rear up again, but we'll see. So 2022 is definitely the year to get out on the road and be playing some shows. And I'd love to come to America and do something. So that, that's, that's potentially on the card. That would be wonderful. Now, years ago, I used to play a song. How'd it go? It said, you make me feel like dancing. I'm going to dance the <laughs> night away. You have a connection with that lad who I used to play his records, and that guy's name was Leo Sayer. Now, how does Mike Armstrong tie in to artist Leo Sayer, who said, I'm going to dance the night away? <laughs> yeah, that Leo was the first. I, I, did a, I did a tour with Leo Sayer. When my, when my debut album came out in 2015, I toured with Leo here in the UK throughout September and October and I was the guest support act and I was just playing solo playing the piano and playing the guitar and kind of telling stories and it was a it was a big big uh, big tour actually it was for a big tour for England anyway it was something like 34 dates across in a space of about 45 days so it was quite intense and it zigzagged all over the country there was a lot of traveling involved but it was a fantastic experience and you know playing some beautiful theatres and, and seeing some, one of the things about touring that I, that I really love and, and I've missed the last couple of years is seeing new places because, you know, I live here in, in England and, and we, we did Scotland, so we live here in the UK and but there's places you don't ever visit, you know, towns and, and cities that you, you wouldn't go to normally, but on a tour you do and got to see some really beautiful, beautiful places and if we could only rely on the weather in England it would be a, <laughs> it would be a great place to go on holiday. Isn't that <laughs> the truth oh absolutely <laughs> and another thing about your career that causes me to think years ago right here in this country in the usa we had a chain and still do of hotels that were called the holiday inns and every <laughs> one of them Everyone, just about, I, I, I would say in this area, 90, over 90% of them had live music. And they had it six nights a week. I believe it was Monday through Saturday. They may have taken Sundays off. Or if they had it on Sunday, they took Monday off. But they had live music. They had three-piece, four-piece bands. Sometimes they had the big horn bands. It all depended who they were. For example, Pat Benatar in her day. People know, hit me with your best shot and all this stuff that yeah. came out of Pat Benatar. She sang with a group that did that hotel circuit. Now, how do I know that? I know that because I played in that hotel circuit and <laughs> your, I certainly did as a drummer. And you play drums, you play electric guitar, you play piano, and somehow your career got entwined in a Holiday Inn and not in America. You played them in England, is is that right? Yeah, I mean, the Holiday Inn chain is still going still going strong here in England, and uh, in, in in Surrey, where I live, just on the, on the outskirts of London, there was a Holiday Inn in, in a town called Sutton. When I was 
15 years old, 14, 15 years old, they were holding auditions. They were, they decided they were going to have live music at the weekends. And so I went down there with my brother, who was playing a bit of bass at the time and, and used to do sing harmonies with me. And we auditioned and we got the job. And for about two or three years, I, I played, played at that. It was just the one holiday and we didn't play the whole chain. We just played that one. And we played on a Friday night, Saturday night and uh, Sunday lunchtime sometimes. And that was a great great you know for a young man it was a great learning experience and we actually you know people people came we were playing in the bar area so as well as the guests we started getting regulars coming along just to come and listen to the music so yeah that was a, a good a good a good grounding for a, for a musician and that was how you kind of got your chops as they say you cut your early chops at the holiday inn is that fair to say yeah it is absolutely you get you you learn how to deal with an audience how to you know maybe the first time we played there we probably just let our heads down and we play through the set but you learn to communicate with the audience you learn how to structure a a, a set list and, and 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 the peaks and troughs or, or whatever you need how you describe it and um yeah and, and obviously you you become very proficient at, at, at playing your instrument or instruments and 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 at singing because the more if you don't sing for a while you you, you lose it a little bit the vo- you know, voice is just a muscle that you need to you need to exercise and so the more you the more you sing the easier it becomes and the better you become so that's that, that's a that was an important lesson i think absolutely now years ago once again i remember on the beatles record label which was a american company called capital records we had a young lady and i used to play her i played her for years actually and i guess it was her first single came out it's talking about since you've been gone all that's left is a band of gold and she went on to play another tune which we did indeed play on the 12 inch dance single and it was a magnificent record she had out in 1977 it was called love magnet and her name was frida Payne. now you have a little connection you worked at one time with frida Payne. And I wonder, uh, can you, I know it's probably a long story, but I think it was the time that you were called in as a replacement for Sir Cliff Richards. Was that the one where Frida Payne was involved in your life? That was, yeah. Uh, British artist, one of the most successful British artists, Sir Cliff Richard. Um, This is about probably close to 10 years ago now. He recorded a soul album, Soulicious was the album, and basically he duetted with lots of great soul singers. Uh, I think Percy Sledge was on there and... um, um, one of the... the, the, uh, Percy Sledge did When a Man Loves a Woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Frida Payne was one of the... was one of the girls who, who who he did a duet with, and that the, the track that he did with Frida Payne was the single, the focus track that was released in England. And um, Cliff's a huge star over here, and uh, so he was on like uh, breakfast TV, we call it, uh, like like you have Good Morning America. This is Good Morning Britain over here. He was performing that track on it with with Frida. She'd flown in from America, and Cliff was out of the country flying in that morning, and um, for some reason it'd been held up. I can't remember if it was a delay in the plane or problems with the traffic, probably, and so I, I, I was... My, my 
business partner Lisa was working with Cliff and, and she called me up and said, look, we've got a problem here. Can you, can you come and help us out? I need you to stand in for Cliff. Not for the actual program, but for the rehearsals so they could get the sound correct and the lighting correct and everything. And so, yeah, I went to, I went to the, to the TV studios in London and uh, at the last minute and, uh, yeah, I got to, I got to sing with, with Frida three or four times while they, while they got all the camera shots right and the, and the lighting and everything, and then Cliff turned up at the last minute and, and stood in for me. So it was a, it was a great experience. She was a lo- lovely lady. <laughs> right. Sir Cliff Richard, she's just a devil woman, and he did that song, We Don't Talk. It's so funny, We Don't Talk Anymore. Yeah, those are two huge hits in, 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 in America. America. Uh, yeah, over here, he is the most successful solo male act in British history. He's had oh, God knows how many number ones and albums. He's actually just about to do a tour again. He's, I think he's playing four or five nights at the Royal Albert Hall he's, for his 80th birthday. He's actually 81, but it should have been last year, but was cancelled because of COVID. So he's doing his 80th birthday shows in the next week, I think it is. Oh, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible, especially if you consider that my parents are what both of them are uh, 89. Wow, that's incredible. He is 80 and still working. Yeah, no, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, he's he's so... so shows no signs of slowing down either. I'm, I'm sure he'll keep going as long as he possibly can. Absolutely magnificent. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've just come into the conversation today, I am proud to have this young man on. Michael Armstrong is his name. His website, michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. That's michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. And he has the number one New Music Weekly Indie Music Singles Charted Single from his album, Ojai, O-J-A-I. He is number 15 in the New Music Weekly Top 40 chart. And don't forget, the brand new single from that album is called Each Other's Eyes. So you're on there with the number one single and you're number 15 in the top 40 and you did it all by yourself without magnificent outlay of money the way it usually is with people who write the check and hope for the best. I remember years ago, years ago, when I interviewed Barry Manilow and he was unknown back when Bell Records was still alive. Oh, wow. Back when Susie Quattro came to America on Bell, having been on R.A.K. Records in in your country, she came back over to to the USA and Bell released her album. And Barry Manilow told me at that time he was unsure whether or not Bell would put out the, and I quote, $100,000 necessary to promote his album. $100,000. Michael, in today's parlance, $100,000, 
I don't even know if they'd promote the record for you for that. That's so small. The last I heard years ago, you would spend 400000 to have a, a song promoted. It's getting skyrocketing. It's hard for me to believe what it costs to get a record promoted these days. And I still, when you figure out, my friend, what the difference is between the payola and the promotion, you let me know. I'm, I'm going to be all ears, okay? Yeah, and that's they're just in, they're just eye-watering sums of money, aren't they? I mean, just to think that Barry Manilow was talking about that sort of figure all those years ago, it's just it, it's frightening. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it is a phenomenal change that has happened in the business. But I heard Sharon Osbourne, Ozzy's wife, say that she has talked about this with her husband, and theoretically. She could write the song with Ozzy, record the song with Ozzy, and release the song to the public in one day. Do you believe that? Well, it's, uh, I, I, I guess Sharon Osbourne and Ozzy Osbourne, maybe they can. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's just put it this way. With the, the digital world today and the Internet, theoretically, that's possible, would you not say? Yeah, no, I, I, it is. I mean, I'm. It, I, I take a long time recording songs, so I could never do anything in a day. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it is absolutely possible. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now we have one of my lifetime idols, who looked over at you and he called you a rock star. And oh my, I cannot tell you what this man has meant to me in my life. But off the top of your head, do you know who I'm talking about? He said you were a rock star. Yeah, you're talking about Sir Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. Lord Almighty, how did you get involved with Paul? Uh, yeah, well, like you, he is my absolute hero and and the reason i ever wanted to play the piano or pick up a guitar and write a song was was down to paul mccartney more than anything even though the beatles were were long split up before i was born and and um but i i i'm a huge fan of 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 all paul mccartney's work and it actually comes back to cliff richard again the guy we were talking about because in 2012 it was the the queen's jubilee concert here in the uk and that was held at buckingham palace as we said cliff is a you know huge huge star here in england so he's always asked to perform at these things and mccartney is mccartney so he always headlines these things lisa who i work with was representing cliff and so we were we were able to go to, to buckingham palace for the concert and i was lucky enough to be to be backstage uh, for the whole weekend because there was like a weekend rehearsals before before the actual show there were just dressing rooms all lined up in all lined up in like one huge marquee and paul mccartney's was next door to cliff richards elton johns was on the other side tom jones stevie wonder it was just incredible these people were just milling around and i made a point of getting to the palace very early on 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 a sunday i think it was because i'd seen the schedule and saw that saw that paul mccartney was sound checking that morning even though i didn't need to be there till about three in the afternoon i think i was there at eight o'clock in the morning or something silly and uh, i watched mccartney and his band sound check and probably only me and four or five other people were watching and i was singing along to every song and uh, he actually I think I was probably singing louder than him. He could probably hear me better than he could hear his own voice. <laughs> and, uh, he, yeah, he, he actually, when, when, when they finished the sound check, he came down from the stage and came over to me and said, hi, I'm Paul. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, right. Like you um, did not know yeah. that. 
Yeah, I know, incredible. And he was great. And I had a photograph done with him, and I thought, wow, I've met Paul McCartney. And I was really emotional, actually, when he when he when he left. I was I was it was one of the you know because you just don't think that that dream that you have meeting someone like Paul McCartney is ever going to happen. And uh, but that wasn't the end of it. He came back for the other for the other rehearsals and, and and for the show itself. And he just hung around and was chatting with me. And so I, I took the opportunity to give him a, a CD I'd recorded. It was it was before my first album came out. I'd recorded like what we call an EP. It was just like three or four songs. And so I gave it to him. And that was when he he decided I was rock star. So for the rest of the for the rest of the day, he said, "Hey, rock star, how you doing, man?" <laughs> you know, and all this kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I I. I did something very cheeky. I, he, he was really lovely. I chatted to him a lot and very, very humble man, very down to earth, just a cool guy. And uh, I was backstage when when he was headlined doing the final part of the concert and he finished the whole show with the song Obla Di Obla Da. And uh, as, he, as, he, as the band went into the song, all the stars of the day walked out on the stage to join him like, like we do at these kind of events. So, you know, out walked Elton John and Tom Jones, either side of the stage and Stevie was taken out there and all, every single star, Ed Sheeran was there, all these stars went out there and started singing. And I was backstage and I just thought, well, it's now or never. So there, there's, a, there's a choir called the Military Wives Choir and they were all, there was about 30 of them. They're all dressed in black and they went on the stage to join in and I, I just kind of joined onto the, to the back of them and, I, and I, so I went out onto the stage as a, as a military wife and um, I ended up singing over the Ovidar on the Buckingham Palace stage in front of a global audience of several billion, I think, with Paul McCartney, my hero and, and every other star of the day. So it was a wonderful moment um, until it, until it, ended and then i thought i'm in real trouble here I'm, i've kind of stormed the stage at buckingham palace you know and uh mi6 or the security services are going to shoot me and before i'd had i couldn't get off the stage and before i had time to figure anything out i was kind of forced into a lineup and i was introduced to her majesty the queen and prince charles <laughs> as one of the military wives choirs <laughs> now were were you the only man there I was the only man amongst the girls' choir. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, where, where, were you standing in choir formation, and people would look and see all the women, and then there was you, or were you like off to the side, like as a solo, solo performer? No, I was. I, 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 no, by the time we'd lined up, I was kind of banging the middle, and uh, I remember that one of the girls, the, one of the choir members next to me, was really sobbing. She got really emotional about the whole thing, and Elton John came up and gave her a cuddle and gave me a very strange look as to think, what are you doing here amongst all these women? Right, you're right. And, uh, it, was, it was wonderful because I, I, I watched it back on TV and you could just about make me out. When I got home, I watched it back and you could just about make me out and I thought, well, that's okay. And um, about uh, three or four days later, there's a, we had um, a weekly magazine come out um, next, what was it called? Next man, I can't remember what it's called. One of these, one of these magazines that come out big magazine hello hello magazine it is and they had a big kind of spread on all the all the stars from the from the from the concert and the royals and all that and the center's page spread was the queen and uh, prince charles i think and and uh, paul mccartney and someone else and directly behind them you can see me really clean shot of a big green in face in the center spread of this magazine so it's, uh, i've got good evidence to prove it's all true <laughs> now 
you were literally on, did they have those coral risers? You know, those stair step risers. Were you standing on a riser with the choir or were you all ground level or uh, how did the thing look? You know what a riser is. I can't remember. In, in, the fo- in the photograph, I'm standing on, on a raised level because I'm, I'm kind of sort of, once it all kind of dissipated, I went and stood with Paul McCartney's drummer, Abe. And so I was standing, standing on Abe's kind of riser, I think, which is how I managed to get directly in the photograph. I when got we it, walked yeah. onto the stage, yeah, there, there must have been various platforms, yeah, that we, yeah, I guess McCartney was, was down the front and then we were all behind him on, on slightly raised platforms, yeah. Abe Laboriel Jr. And yeah. what a talent he is. Boy, is he good. He is, re- and not only yeah. as a drummer, I mean, as a vocalist, he can sing too. Yeah, he really does. Lovely guy as well. In fact, I, I, I'd, I'd met McCartney's band before that because they, when after McCartney finished sound checking, Stevie Wonder sound checked, and McCartney had gone home, but his band came down to watch Stevie Wonder sound check because they are obviously fans of Stevie Wonder. I mean, why wouldn't you? And so I was still down there watching the sound checks, and so that, that I, I stood with them and introduced myself and had a photograph, and we all sat there amazed by Stevie Wonder. So yeah, I, I, I got to chat to those guys too. It was a, it was an amazing couple of days. It was amazing. That is incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Michael Armstrong. He is the singing sensation right now at number one on the New Music Weekly Indie Music Singles Chart. He is number 15 in the New Music Weekly Top 40 Chart. His album is O-Hi, spelled O-J-A-I, pronounced O-Hi, as in Ohio, just without the O at the end of it. That album is available on his website, michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. And don't forget, the brand new single from that album is called Each Other's Eyes. It is available on Amazon. It is available, Michael, I'm going to assume on Spotify and all other major outlets where one buys songs or albums would that be correct that's correct all righty your partner before i let you get out of here your partner is lisa who is a a lovely lady and i felt so excited when i met you and i said lisa let me see lisa davies and my head went girl you really got me now. You got me so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I, Lisa Davies. I thought she was the sister, maybe, of Ray and Dave Davies. And you burst my bubble, Michael. You ruined my whole theory. What? Tell everybody what you told me. Well, she's not, I'm afraid. No, she's not related to to, 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 to the stars of the Kinks. Um, I wish she was. I'm a huge fan of them and, and uh, um, never got to meet or work with them. So maybe one day. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I burst your bubble. <laughs> oh, I am going to tell you. Well, I don't know if Lisa is aware of it or not. But yes, I, I kind of shed a silent tear when I found out she was not related because I would love in a million years 
to talk to Ray Davies. He's a brilliant, brilliant singer and composer. Love him. And Michael Armstrong, what else would you like to tell the public before we let you go? Especially the young, the people who feel the world owes them a living and that you don't have to work for it. Look at me at my age. I'm out here doing this because I love it, Michael. You're out there doing what you do because you love it, and it's paid off. What would you like to tell the young who just got a guitar and got an amp, and they're hoping that maybe someday they can do something with it? What would you tell that person? Well, I think we started off the conversation with the with the common saying between the UK and, and the USA, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And I think um, in all walks of life, not just music, um, it's about hard work. It really is about hard work and commitment. It doesn't come easy, at least not to 99% of people. And as you've just also, like you've just said there about the pair of us doing what we do for the love of it, I think you, you have to, as long as you're doing what you're doing for the love of it, then you're, then you're, then you're, and, and, and staying true to yourself, then, um, then I think you'll be all right. And that doesn't mean that you'll earn a living from it because music, particularly now with streaming and, and, and the like, um, it's very difficult to, to, to earn a living as a songwriter and, and as a recording artist. But um, you've got to, you've got to keep, persevering and you know people say it's about luck and luck is luck is involved but you you also have to make your own luck you know you have to take every opportunity that's 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 given to you and and make the most of it um sometimes these opportunities don't seem like a big deal but you know even like me happening to be at the as we spoke about at the the jubilee concert just going around and speaking to people and introducing yourself to people be cheeky you know take a risk every now and then and uh just yeah uh, you know just just keep keep working hard and you know one one day you'll get a break somehow or the other Absolutely. Well, you are to be commended, and I, I, I'm just, I'm at a loss as to what to say. A 47-year-old married man with three grown children, and lo and behold, you're on the pop charts, and you didn't buy your way on there. God bless you, my friend. We need more like you, and you know what's going to happen? One of these days, People are going to come to the realization, Michael, that radio should be put back where it came from, from the community, because nobody knows that community better than the jock who goes out and talks to them, meets them, plays the sock ops, makes the personal appearances in their classrooms and wherever else, their churches and wherever else people meet. It has to be about the community. And if a band is doing well in the community, they belong on that local community's radio station, if for no other reason than to promote the area where people live. Because it used to be when a musical group did well. The whole town got behind them and like a, an athletic 
club, a team, a sports team. Go, go, go. We're behind you. Go, go, go. Not hit the road. Get out of here. Go to L.A. If they say uh, in L.A., uh, we'll, we'll do you a favor. We'll play it now. You know, move on. Uh, this is just not where it's at as far as I'm concerned, Michael. Can I get you to give me a, a right on to that? Yeah, absolutely. Here, here, right on. And I, and, and I, and I, and I honestly believe that one day we, we will get back there. I really do. Oh, God bless you. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of our wonderful guest today, Michael Armstrong, I am just delighted to have him on our show. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please go to michaelarmstrongmusic.co.uk. The album is O-J-A-I. It is pronounced O-Hi. There you will find the hit single from UK singing sensation Michael Armstrong. And once again, the new single from that album is entitled each other's eyes number one currently on the new music weekly indie music singles chart number 15 new music weekly top 40 chart before i hold you over time michael i'm just gonna have you say good night michael good, good, good night michael on behalf of my guest tonight ladies and gentlemen michael armstrong all the way from the uk and a big shout out as well Lisa Davies, even though she's no relation to the Kings, and both of them broke my heart when I found that out. This is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. Thank you all, especially to our wonderful guest today and all the work that he did to make things pay off for not only himself, but for his country, for his family, and for every one of us that has the chance to listen to this brilliant talent. Thank you all. Good night. Proceeding was a Rick Finn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.